everyone. Welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin, and I'm here today with Ariel Eldridge. Ariel, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It's good. Good. Yeah, we are without Mitch, of course. He is prepping for sermon this Sunday. Yeah, he's going to be preaching this Sunday in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, kind of the end of 2, beginning of 3. So Yeah. Very cool. To that. But today we get to talk about chapter 2. Uh, and this last uh, sermon from Pastor Scott. So we're going to dig into that here in just a little bit. So before we do, Ariel, tell us a little bit about the Women's Conference this weekend. How was that? Uh, we had Cindy Cockrum here. Yes. Yes. So how was it? I, I enjoyed it so much. And I hope that if you came that you enjoyed it as well. We had um, in-person connection time, which was, ama- oh. which was amazing. Yeah, you know? after so many months of not... Yeah, I know. And uh, and really, I was telling someone this morning what was so cool that we didn't realize until probably we're there in the moment. But all semester, we've had women studying the book of James together on Zoom. And there were little small groups that had never met together in person who finally got to see each other and meet each other in person. This is what you look like. Uh, Yeah, yeah. you're smaller than I thought you were, you know. And so that was that was uh, that was really cool. But Cindy brought some great tools for reading the Bible and for studying the Bible. She talked about melodic line. She talked about um, the bigger picture of the storyline of the Bible Mm. um, and then how to connect every passage to the gospel. There's going to be a thread that points to the gospel. Yeah. And uh, so I I think the thing that the women responded the best to was that gospel piece. And that was really encouraging. Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually one of the most exciting things for me about Bible interpretation. Like it's, it's, it's again, like Jesus says that all the Bible is going to point to him and exactly. is a, you know, technically it's like going to point to his person and his work in some way. And so it's like, how does that happen? How does that work? And yeah. so, yeah, being able to see that from the scriptures yourself is like mind blowing. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is one of the best wins that you got from the weekend? Um, either for you or for maybe someone else in the, that, that attended. Oh, I could see several wins. Um, one of my favorites is that um, just some of my leadership was able to like step into their role. You know, they've had to do it digitally for so long, and then they finally got to you know come up on stage and just lead our our women through the weekend. And I appreciated getting to see them in their in their natural habitat where they should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just enjoyed. Um, there's a couple of women who are in my D group who came um, and just hearing them like start to process these things and yeah. Um, and so that's been encouraging as well. That's so, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, um, let's shift gears really quick. We got something coming up this weekend too for new people. And we want to let you guys know about this. So Ariel, would you kind of unpack what this thing is? Yeah. yeah. The fun just keeps rolling here <laughs> <I know. laughs> at Stones Crossing Church. Well, this weekend we have a, a, a lunch just for new people. So anyone who's come to Stones in the last 12 months or so yeah. um, who would like to get to know us a little better, we want to invite them to lunch after services this Sunday. Um, and we'll have some staff and some elders there. Um, and really, it's just going to be a little bit of history about the church, how we came to be, um, point you to some next steps, and fellowship. Cool. Yeah. So it really helps new people to just to see like, okay, this is how I can get connected here exactly. and do that quickly and things like that. Absolutely. Awesome. So if you're new to Stones and you're listening to the podcast, um, then we want to invite you to come to that. Just RSVP online at stonescrossing.com slash new. You can do that right now. Um, or uh, listen... 
a lot of you that listen to the podcast aren't new to Stones. You've been here for a while, but you may have someone that you've invited or someone that you maybe need to invite to come. And so this is a great chance to bring someone and introduce them to your home church. So um, bring them along and go with them to step one. We, I, I think that would be a really great thing for you guys to, to go together and take them to step one and, uh, and help them through that initial process. So uh, this is all happening uh, this Sunday, uh, April 25th at 1230, right after second service. And again, you can register or RSVP actually online at stonescrossing.com slash new. Well, Ariel, today we get to walk through 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 16 is what we're looking at today. Scott's sermon on Sunday really uh, focused a lot on this idea of of being a people pleaser and recovering from this idea of being a people pleaser, which I thought was really good. I mean, I, I feel like to a certain extent, everybody struggles with this, sure. right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's just kind of start with, with that question a little bit. I mean... What happens when we as Christians struggle with this idea of pleasing other people, and how does that affect the way that we that we witness to other people about about the Lord, or how does that affect the way that we do ministry, or the, or even our own faith? Like, how might that affect us um, in a negative way? Ooh, loaded question. Because I think it it affects each of those things. Um, in different ways, for sure. Um, I think if I if I can start with where it comes about, I think that we just settle for um, for worldly affirmation because mm-hmm. it's it's like a fast food restaurant. I can right. feel it. I can see it right now. It's tangible in front of me, and um, it gives us a little fix, and then we're on to the next thing. But then we find that it doesn't last. It just we just keep craving it over and over and over. Yeah. Um, and so it comes in into light in every aspect of life. But I, I think in ministry, if I can speak from personal experience, if I'm seeking the approval of the people around me, I am just not performing. I'm never going to perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just taking a step back and praying and asking the Lord to just help me and guide me in the steps of um, what fulfills the calling that he's put on us, which is to preach the gospel mm-hmm. and um, to do that faithfully and to give him all the glory. Right. Um, and so I just keep coming back to those, those simple two things um, over yeah. and over, and that's what keeps me hopefully on track. Absolutely. I really liked what Scott said, kind of going back to that Proverbs 29, 25 passage. And uh-huh. he went to this passage and he talked about how when we... Uh, which basically says like people pleasing becomes a snare, right? Sure. And uh, it's this trap. And and the biggest thing, I mean, he gave us three things, but man, when he just that first one, I thought was so good because what what he says is when we get stuck in that snare, we no longer speak the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. We we want to downplay the truth. We want to even hide the truth sometimes because we care too much about what the other person thinks of us. So that we don't tell them the truth, we don't yeah. tell them what's what's really going on, and I, and I think that about the way that we do evangelism and, and tell people about about Jesus is, you know, because we live in a culture where where more and more people are not Christians and are hostile to the gospel. Mm-hmm. As that progresses, it's going to be much easier for us to just shy away from telling people the gospel because we just assume they're hostile to it, um, and and so ultimately that ends up becoming that people pleasing type of thing. And it just, it just makes us afraid and we don't tell people the truth. Sure. Um, and I'll, and I'll tell you, I mean, I am, I'm totally guilty of that. Yep, I mean, everybody's hands raised yeah. in, this, <laughs> in this studio today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh man, like that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't want to, I, I just, I don't know. I don't want to be that kind of person. Like I want to be someone who does stand for the truth and Absolutely. speaks the truth when, when called upon. You yeah. Know? And you know what? I, I mean, any of us who have tried the people pleasing game, we find we end up not satisfying someone else. And yeah. So if we're pleasing one group, it's not pleasing the other. So honestly, countercultural, just know that people are going to be upset if you're following the Lord and that you. Well, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's what Jesus tells us, right? He's like, and, and, and he, assures, he assures us. He's like, look, you know, they don't hate you because of you. They hate you because of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually that takes a lot of the pressure off, sure. you know, like we can, we can actually rest in sort of the comfort of Jesus when we come to a situation like that, where people reject us, mm-hmm. knowing that we've actually held our head high and we told people the truth. If they reject us, then they're actually rejecting Christ. Yeah. And, and that's actually the safest place to be, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, So, um, so yeah, so I, I just thought that was, that was so good. And I resonated with all of that a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of our listeners did too. So yeah. <laughs> it's good. What I want to do today though, is, um, cause this, this whole section of scripture, this is first Thessalonians two, one through 16 has so many other things to talk about in there too. And, and, you know, and Scott, I mean, he, he focused right in on, on the people-pleasing idea, but I, I would love to sort of dig into some other facets of this section of Scripture, um, even though I think that one is a big point and a, and a really important one. I think there's some other things that we can glean from it. So, um, Ariel, could you read this section? This is, this is a kind of a longer section, but... Sure. <laughs> Last week went so well. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, goodness. if you didn't listen to last week, make sure you stay to the end. Because the last two minutes are gold. Pass the music. Comedy oh, gold. Man. <laughs> we recorded in the afternoon, which is rare for us. And yeah, everyone, everyone, was, a everyone was a little tired. <laughs> but here we go. This okay. is First Thessalonians chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out 
and displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So it's a lengthy passage, but there's so much good stuff in here. Yeah. There's so much to unpack. And um, we, obviously, we are not going to be able to do it justice here in just the 40 minutes that we have. But but uh, I do want to point out a, a, a couple things. So the first thing is that Scott on Sunday brought up a really interesting thing. He he, he started at the beginning talking about how um, – it's 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 not completely sure, but we but we're relatively certain that Paul in Thessalonica had some opponents who were coming up against him and saying some things about him, and he gave some some idea of what those things were. And one of the things that I think um, a lot of us may might struggle with is how do we arrive at a conclusion like that? Like how do we come to the place where we're like. Yeah, we're relatively sure that this was what was going on, even though that's not what the Bible mm-hmm. tells us, or we, we don't know where the evidence comes from. And so we, some people might think like, oh, there's some history book somewhere that tells us this or, or whatnot. But actually what's being done there is what's it's a, it's a, it's a Bible interpretation technique called mirror reading, mirror reading. Um, and mirror reading is just the idea that like in a letter like this, we see that Paul is – he's giving a defense of some kind. Right, so he's trying to defend himself against some accusations, and so we look at the defense that he gives, and from the defense we can deduce what the accusations might be. Right, so and that's that's what the whole thing is. It's relatively simple, but but there's you know technical I love it. term for it. So. Well, this is my first day learning about this, and I've you know I've <laughs> well you you known this before. I think I understand yeah, it, yeah. but I needed a little visual because I'm a visual learner. And so I was thinking about this as if you've ever been in art class and you take a magazine picture and you cut it in half mm-hmm. and you, you have to draw the other half, the missing half. Yeah. I think that's kind of what's, what uh, Paul is doing here for us. He's giving us the half of the argument so that we can deduce the rest of it. So, yeah. 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 So just for example, like we might look at verse three here where, so Paul writes, you know, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Okay. So the mirror reading is that the opponents that are coming up against Paul are probably saying something like, well, he's totally wrong. He has impure motives and he's trying to deceive you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know what I mean? So, so that's probably what's going on. And then you see those kind of uh, those three things sort of being unpacked throughout this part of the letter. For example, the impure motives thing. Um, verse five talks about um, using words of flattery with a pretext for greed. So, so, um, and then like if you jump down to verse nine, he gives a defense there too. He says, "For you remember, brothers, our labor and, and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God." So. Um, the whole greed thing is probably one of the accusations that were coming up against him. They, these people were probably saying something like, man, he's got impure motives. He is uh, trying to swindle you out of your money mm-hmm. and give you this this message so that you just pay him and then he's going to be on his way um, and things like that. So that was probably one of the things that that they were saying. Um, and so, so that's that's what mirror reading is. And so, you can do this um, in a number of of uh, the letters, especially Paul's letters, because Paul very often in his letters 
um, he has to, he finds himself having to defend his apostolic authority because as he's going around, people are like, who is this guy? And like, man, what is he doing? And, you know, things like that. And and people just didn't like the message of the gospel Um, that was rejected over and over again. And so he had to defend himself quite a bit. You know, as I think about Paul, like he was a Roman citizen and also a Jew. Right. And so, I mean, you just can't win there. Like he's already a dichotomy in himself. Yeah. Had yeah. to have been mistrusted by somebody. It's either Jews or Romans, you know? Totally. Yeah, it's like both a blessing and a curse, yes. right? But what was interesting, is, you know, I think for, for him is, you know, he's, you know, he, he was probably in, we talked about this last week, but probably in Thessalonica for, what, a month, mm-hmm. maybe maybe six weeks, something like that. He preaches for that time and is you know, almost immediately run out of town. Right. Um, but even in that time, he develops a really deep love for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we see that in verse eight, right? So um, verse eight, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. How does How does being a Christian shape us into the people who love others in this way. Like, um, like, you know, you don't know them very long, but somehow you just know that they're brothers and sisters in Christ and, mm-hmm. and, um, your hearts are knit together yeah. in that sense. Um, what, what is that? How, and how can we, how can we cultivate that more within us? That's a great question. Have you ever, I mean, if I'm speaking from experience, there are some Sundays where I'm walking away and I'm watching people leave the parking lot mm-hmm. and I'm seeing them like just interact, you know, connecting in the parking lot, saying goodbye, maybe heading to lunch together. I'll see specific people. And I'm like, man, I love that family, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I'm like, what, what, how am I so weird that I'm just like, <laughs> you know, looking at people and just, you know, loving them like a, a brotherly love for these people. Yeah. Um, that's obviously not of me. That's from the spirit. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of just a little glimpse of what the Lord does in our, in our hearts as he knits us together as brothers and sisters in his family. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. It's like a, it's a glimpse of what's to come too, yeah, yeah. that this, you know, we're going to spend eternity together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we get a taste of that here yeah. in the church. Yeah. Um, as far as cultivating it, mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah, good question. I didn't think about that. I, yeah, I, just, well, so, I just come up with the questions. <laughs> That's fine. I love that you ask the questions and you're not prepared to answer. Fine, whatever. Uh, you know, being this is my role, right? So this is, as Connections Director, really what I want to do is cultivate a love in the brotherhood here yeah. at Stones Crossing Church. And... Um, I found that like time together does help, but I think that just leaning into the um, to the knowledge of who we are in Christ mm-hmm. is is something that we need to dwell on every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that when we come to to church, these these are the brothers and sisters. This is the brotherhood right here, and this isn't necessarily just the uh, uh, the world. You know, you have an opportunity to be together with your family. Um, and, and that's a sweet thing. And so I don't know. I think just leaning into the the scriptures on that, um, just who we are in uh, in mm. Christ is a big deal. That identity yeah. of being adopted as sons and daughters, exactly, uh-huh. and that we are all together, brothers and sisters with one Father. Right. And, right. Yeah. Um, 
another way too is, you know, on the connections team, one of our, our mottos is to show hospitality. Um, yeah. and not the wine and cheese hospitality. Like I say this over and over, it's not the Americanized I like idea. Cheese. I mean, go. I love cheese. Sure. Okay. <laughs> cheese can be involved. That's fine. We'll give it a pass, <laughs> but it is, it is, um, it is an actual love of strangers. Yeah. Um, and so that, that Greek there is a love of strangers. And, you know, if we think about it, we were once the stranger. And um, the Lord brought us in, grafted us into his family from the outside in. Yeah. And so anytime we see someone come in through our doors that we don't know, like our, our job is to just love them with a, a brotherly love, even though we don't even know them. Yes, that is so good. And you just brought to mind a family in our church who... Mm-hmm has been doing this so well and they, they had to stop, uh, during quarantine. But, um, so there's this family in our church who decided they wanted to at least once a week have someone over whether they were in the church or outside the church, but just to show hospitality. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they did that and they did that for a, a good long time. Just, just inviting people in. They're like, Hey, we got to eat. You got to eat. Let's go. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know? And what a cool thing that, that was just to build friendship, to build relationship, um, and to, and to cultivate that within not only their hearts, but in their kids' hearts as well, that their kids got to see this love for other people that went beyond the church walls, mm-hmm. you know, but it actually came into their home is so neat. Um, so I, I love that. I, I, it's something that, that I want to do personally more myself. Yeah. Cause I love it when we have people over and, and get yeah. to do all that sort of stuff. So yeah. a so great good. book on that is Rosaria Butterfield's oh, yeah. The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Right. It's a great book. That's how she came to Christ. Exactly. Someone doing that for her. Yeah. It's just so cool because I I think that this is a way that we actually, just like what you said, that we can imitate Christ um, because this is what Christ did for us. Like we were strangers. He brought us in. Um, you know, we were we were the the alien, the foreigner, and he's the one that made us his family yeah. at that point, right? So like this – and this is what I think is so neat is like Thessalonians a number of times brings up this idea of imitating Christ, being an example then for others – um, things like that. So like if we go back to, so here in this passage, um, chapter two, verse 14, he says, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. And he talks about their suffering and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then even back in, in chapter one, we see the idea of imitation twice. So it's in verse six and seven. He says, um, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So like as they became Christians, the, 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 the church at Thessalonica became imitators of Paul and Silas and Timothy and of the Lord, the, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, verse 7, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So, so there's this imitation idea that Paul talks about very often in his letters where it's like, you know, you should imitate, like he'll say, imitate me as I imitate Christ, or you should imitate the Lord, or you should become an example for others to imitate you. There's there's this whole scheme of imitation and being an example and things like that. So with that in mind, how important do you think this is for us today to do? And how do we, how do we get started doing this as being an example for others and looking at great examples for us to imitate as well? Yeah. That's it. I like that. I like that question. I want to get there. Um, I want to back up for a second because yeah. there are a couple observation points in here where you pointed out in verse six in chapter one, imitators of us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they're talking about receiving the word in much affliction, and that's the exact same thing that they're talking about later in chapter 2 in verses um, uh, 14. Um, So what what is this correlation here, that they're being imitators, they're involved in affliction, they're receiving the word. What exactly are they imitating? Right, so... Probably what's going on is because there we know that there are opponents to the message of the gospel in Thessalonica, just as there was in Judea, mm-hmm. right, and in Jerusalem and everything that was going on there. And so the 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 opposition that they're experiencing is an opposition of um, really it ends up being a rejection of the gospel message. Sure. And. and, and Interestingly enough, I think that there's a lot of people pleasing <laughs> that is okay. going on okay. there as well, because one of the one of the uh, the passages that that Scott even pointed out on Sunday is how uh, many people in the um, uh, in the I think it was in the Sanhedrin right uh, turned to faith in Christ while Christ was alive, but didn't speak up about it. Yeah, uh, because they feared what. What happened to them? They feared being rejected from the Sanhedrin. They feared what would happen with their family. I mean, there's all kinds. That kind of a shift would dramatically impact their life. Yeah. And so there's a there's a fear there of of what would happen. And so I think um, all of that together brought about this persecution that that happened in the early church. And I think that's partly what's what what we might be coming into in the near future. Oh sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if we are careful and we're drawing conclusions to how to apply this. Mm-hmm. And if the, if those are true for us today, that we have a lot of people pleasing on behalf of not wanting to um, speak the truth of the gospel because we're afraid of what the consequences right. might be. It might yeah. cost us something. Um, then I guess it really does matter that we're becoming imitators of, of those in, within the church, right? That we are discipling each other. Um, yeah. And so you'd mentioned before the podcast, just mentorship, Mm-hmm. Um, and how that really affects the life of a disciple. Yeah. Um, having someone that you can um, learn from or learn with alongside. Yeah. Um, and then and doing that for others as well. Um, yeah. Now that's a tricky thing too. So like, I think a lot of people might be out there thinking like, oh yeah, you know, I, I would love to have a mentor, uh-huh. uh, someone that I can imitate and pour into me and things like that. Um, sometimes they might not know where to start or who to ask. Yeah, you know, yeah. but that might be a great question to ask one of the staff members here at church, or or maybe an elder here at church, just to start talking with them about that. I'll tell you what, like, it's very rare when people will turn you down for something like oh, that. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, people people do. Yeah. Um, I think appreciate that, and it really it would be a matter of like time constraints and stuff yeah. like that. But um, on the flip side of that, I think most people probably struggle with feeling like they could mentor someone else. Yeah. You know? And we've talked about this before. I've brought this book up a, a couple times, but David Helm's one-to-one Bible reading actually oh, yeah. maps it out for That's a you. great book, yeah. Yeah, it's super short. I mean, I don't even remember how many pages, but... It's like 100 pages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just talks about how you can read the Bible with one other person, gives you a plan in the back, even yep. to go through, I think, the book of Mark. Yep. Um, so... So yeah, super practical. Right. That, that sort of stuff, I think, I, I, I think that like if you're a Christian and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm not sure that, that, that doing something like that is something for me, I would encourage you to begin to pray about that sure. and ask the Lord to, uh, in, to strengthen you to do that, but to also to bring someone to you. Because I'll tell you what, as soon as you have a student that's ready, um, then you know, it's go time. Like yeah. they'll, they'll come to you and ask you and, and then it's like, yeah, here we go. But you, but part of it is like, 
you really knowing like, hey, I, th- I think I'm ready for that. And I, and I don't have to know all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to know where to point them, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that really becomes a great way to then be, you know, to, to, to be an example to other people uh, as they are learning how to follow Christ. And you can yeah. bring them along yeah. in that. Oh, man. And if you're wanting to grow... I'll tell you what. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Yes, it is. (laughs) Nothing makes you grow faster than trying to help other people grow. I'll tell you what. I mean, this is. I mean, on this topic, this is definitely my story. Mm -hmm. And and if I can just get like personal about it, absolutely. So you know, when I became a Christian, I I was um, 17 years old. It was the summer before my senior year of high school, and. Um, been asking my, uh, my student pastor, uh, a bunch of questions. He answered those questions, did a great job. And, and then at summer camp, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm all in. So it became a Christian that summer. It, it what was funny was, is I, I got home and, and I was like, man, this was such a great week. And, um, I, I like, I know that my life is going to take a different direction now and things like that. And, and, um, that week while I was home, the children's director at the church was like, you know, we're, we're sending a bunch of, of uh, elementary school kids to camp next week, and we really need someone to go and help with them. Chris, you want to go? And I'm like, I just <laughs> became a Christian. Like, are you sure? And she's like, look, you just got to go love them and hang out with them. You don't have to have all the answers. I'm like, <sighs> Okay, let's go. <laughs> Sign me up. And so, like, I, I jumped in. I went to camp for a week with um, with all of these. Like, there were like eight, you know, L- third to fifth grade boys. Yeah. <laughs> and they drove me nuts. And <laughs> you know, but this is, but that's what it was. And actually, right after that, I, I immediately jumped into helping out with children's ministry, mm-hmm. which then led to me helping out with student ministry. And. I'm, I'm, honestly, I've been doing that ever since. And I have found the most growth in my life when I'm doing those sorts of things. Yeah. Like when I'm when I'm ministering to others, that's when the Lord really grows me the most. And I'm like, I'm so thankful that Mary Rain from First Presbyterian Church in, in Burbank, California came to me and was like, hey, I'm going to send you to camp, that's newbie awesome. Christian. That's you know? awesome. <laughs> so funny. Love it. <laughs> Well, let's talk about something else, Ariel. Shift gears. All right, you ready? Yep. Uh, Let's look at verse 13 really quick. Verse 13 is something that I would say is really interesting (laughs) and, and might challenge us a little bit. So it says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Okay. So question, what exactly is he talking about here? Because ultimately what, 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 you know, you kind of can see what, what happened here. He says he, um, him and, and, and Silas and Timothy gave the word of God, but did that verbally, right? It says, which you heard from us and that they accepted it not as the word of men, but it was the word of God. Mm-hmm. So they're preaching, and and what Paul is basically saying is that their preaching is the very word of God. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, so let's let's sort of tease this out a little bit because I think at the very least, what we can say is 
I mean, Paul's an apostle, and Paul being an apostle, um, we we would make an argument that um, all of the New Testament is authoritative because it is the teaching of the apostles. Um, and that's why it has that authority. Mm-hmm. It's, and you want to back up and say an apostle is directly commissioned by Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. 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 You, and so, so, you know, our stance as a church, we would say there are no more apostles today. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. The, um, apostleship does not have like succession, um, but that, that ended um, in the first century. Uh, first or second century. And so because of that, then the teaching of the apostles is captured in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And that's what the early church, when, when they looked at why they landed on the books of the Bible that they did, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the apostolic teaching. And this really goes back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, where the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yes. That's, that's, yes. What, that's what it was all about. So so here, I think at the very least, what we can say is Paul's an apostle, he's teaching, therefore they're thinking, this is apostolic authority, this is the very word of God. Right. But is there a sense in which this carries over to preaching today? Like, can preaching actually be the very word of God? I think that what is happening on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. for us is, as we gather as the believers um, in the assembly is Jesus Christ ministering to his church through the word of God. Yeah. Um, so we would call that preaching. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I've really been studying um, th- the role of a prophet in Old Testament and New Testament and the difference between the two. Yeah. Um, what is it to be a prophet? A, a prophet is to speak the very word of God. That's right. Um, and so the greatest prophet was Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um and so if we have his authoritative word right here in front of us that he has already spoken, if in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Right. Yeah. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm drawing a line here. Yeah. Like you are getting the whole working this out in my head. <laughs> that if if he has done that, then when we are preaching and, sp- and speaking the word of God, that it is the very word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that I don't know that that includes like our, our, our side notes. Um, I don't know that it always includes our applications. Right. But I would say preaching the very word of God is the word of God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to land, Chris. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I think I would agree with you. And, okay. and, I, and I think that's a really interesting thing to think about because what's happening on Sunday morning then is not just preaching in the sense of like, um, this is, you know, some guy that went to some school somewhere gets up there and starts talking about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's much more than a TED Talk and it's much more than, yes. than any sort of thing like that. But yeah. that to, to the extent that, that this is the scriptures and the Lord Jesus Christ ministering to his people, that this is the very word of God that is being proclaimed yes. uh, prophetically, you know? Um, and, and I think that's, that carries a lot more weight in it than maybe what most of the church realizes to a certain extent. Yeah, and I think maybe we fixate on the role of the um, the person giving yeah. the message. Yeah. And um, so we may tend to think, as you know, as humans do, that okay, well, Pastor Scott has a special anointing from the Lord, where therefore he must be the only one who can do that, like because he has received this. So sure. Um, but what we would say is he has the authority because of the Word of God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, like what he thinks doesn't matter. 
just like what we think doesn't right. matter. Right. What matters is what the word, of, what God the word of God says. says. And as long as what is being preached is in line with what the word of God says, yeah. then yeah, it's it's the very word of God. Right. Yeah. And that, but that's, that's a big, that's, that's a little bit of a leap for some, for some people, I think. And, 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 and honestly, you guys, listen, uh, the church has no stance on this. Like this, sure. th- this, this is, is not just, written down this anywhere. is just us talking. We're so. giving our, our off the cuff thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did want to back up though. Um, I want to make a distinction for, for all of us who are just kind of thinking through that word apostle, um, that while apostleship has ended because of the canon being closed, because Jesus has already commissioned those people directly and they have died, um, discipleship has not. And that is why we continue in discipleship, yeah. because discipleship is the multiplication of the saints, tra- you know, training each other to grow in, in Christ-likeness. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So the last thing that I want to just bring up here, because this is all kind of connected, it actually goes back to verse four, and this is where um, the apostle is talking about, and I, I'll go back to three so we have the context. So, sure. um, so he says, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Okay. So this, I mean, this really relates to this discussion where, where Paul is being very careful to make sure that what he says is the message that God has given them, the gospel message, and they do so not to please man, but to please God. One of the things that, that's interesting in this, in this passage is the word approved. And um, where he says, we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So I, I guess... You know, to a certain extent, we could say Paul certainly believes and and that because he's an apostle, has mm-hmm. the authority to then take the gospel and then go to the Gentiles and do the mission work that he did. But to what extent um, does this this approval get extended to all Christians? Like, are aren't all all Christians entrusted with the gospel message um, to go and to and to proclaim the gospel message and? Maybe just in different capacities, but but is there a can, can we can we basically come to a passage like this and say with the same level of certainty, yeah, you know, as a Christian, God has entrusted to me the this message. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think of the Great Commission? Like, do you want to back up and yeah, go. think through yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, because um, Jesus directly asked the disciples to um, go therefore and um, make disciples, mm-hmm. baptizing them in the name. Of the Father, so yeah. What do you think? Is that a direct commission of the disciples only, or is that does that spread into the church? Oh yeah. Well, I, I think it definitely spreads into the church because I would point to other passages like Ephesians chapter four, which mm-hmm. you know one of our favorite passages, exactly. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter four that talks about the work, um, how the church exists really to equip. The, the, saints. the saints for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even later in that passage in chapter four, I think verse 16 uh, hints at that as well. Um, but other passages like that really come to this idea that, yeah, like the 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 saints aren't, the, 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 the church, the people aren't just supposed to come to church and just, you know, stay your hour, listen to your sermon and then go home and go about your merry way. Right. But that there's work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think when we look at, a passage like this, to a certain extent, I would say, yeah, like if you're a Christian, then you have been saved by the gospel, this power of God for salvation, right? And God then, because of that, entrusts that to you then to 
give that to others. And that's, that's a pretty amazing thing when you mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is the same message that the Apostle Paul has that we carry within us yeah. to then give to the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to answer the same way because I think, I think if um, you think about the work of salvation, what God does in reconciliation is he draws near to us and removes, you know, the, um, the chasm that was there. And, um, and so he has, he has now um, deemed us acceptable and approved through the work of Jesus Christ yes. by the blood of Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. My answer is yes. Amen. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hard questions today on the podcast. I know. Well, this was the, we're gonna just going to jump around and talk about all the things today. Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, this chapter has so it much does. stuff to talk mm-hmm. about. And, There's and, stuff on calling in here as well. Uh, like, man, yeah, you could go forever. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh that's what we're gonna do today. We're done. We're done with that. So <laughs> time for time for a nap. Time That's for right. lunch. <laughs> so hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you have any questions about the things we talked about, we would love to chat with you about it. Um, if it's questions about the things that we don't know about, then we'll tell you. We don't know, <laughs> and we'll point you to someone who <laughs> <That's> does. <right. laughs> um, but yeah, we love talking about this stuff, and uh, we hope that you do too. This is all good conversation to have as Christians that we would wrestle with these things together. So. Yes. Um, because the end is in mind, right? That's right. This is all for the end, for yeah. the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. Wait. Well, um, so thanks for joining us this week. And this coming Sunday, Pastor Mitch will be up preaching from uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, and uh, working through some stuff there. And I think that we're going to see even more of this evangelistic type of mm. emphasis going on here. And so um, I'm ready for that. Let's go. So, <laughs> so we'll see you on Sunday. And we hope that you'll join us next time on the Sunday Recap. See you then. <laughs>